but Psalm 71 is where we're at this morning. The scripture says, in you do I take refuge, O Lord, never let me be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so just get comfortable for a second. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. If you're over 60, say amen. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh God, make haste to help me. My accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day for their number is past my knowledge. In other words, I've lost count of how good you've been to me. With the mighty deeds of the Lord I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness and yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me. And even to no hair, do not forsake me. Until I proclaim your might to another generation your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O oh God, reaches to the high heavens. You have done great things, O oh God, who is like you. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp of your faithfulness, O oh Lord. I will sing to you praises with the lyre, O oh Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy. When I sing your praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. I hear the Lord saying just as I finish that, somebody today, you came here and you are here on purpose because this is a word for you this morning. The message that God has given me it was not part of my plan. I was not planning to preach this this week, but the Lord gave me this scripture. And I believe that if you're watching, if you're here this morning, you are here on purpose because God has a word for you. So, Lord, would you right now, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you want to speak into our lives. Lord, I believe this morning that you have a word for us, Lord, that is specific to this audience, specific to to this congregation specific to this audience online, Lord, that you want to speak and you want to bring life into people right now in Jesus name. Everyone said, amen. 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 I'm excited this morning. I'm kind of, uh, there's fried chicken back there. So I'm excited. And it, listen, if y'all will amen me and preach back to me, we will get done faster and the food will not be cold, but we are going to get through this today. So if y'all, well, it goes faster if you go with me. All right. Amen. Okay, there we go. Good. 
Good, good job. This week I was studying and I had planned, we, I'd been preaching on the early days of Jesus' life and ministry, but in my study time this Psalm, Psalm 71, it just gripped me this week. And I just felt like, Lord, this is what you are saying and this is what you want to say to our church this morning. And you know, in our nation, in our culture, in this generation, we use a certain phrase, we hear a concept quite a bit, the concept known as the good life, the good life. And we usually use that phrase in one of two ways. The first way we kind of talk about the good life is we say, well, they're living the good life or we're living the good life. And here's what we mean by that. We usually talk about someone living the good life uh, when we see what they want us to see. We see what they want us to see. We see their Instagram pictures of the perfect vacation. We see the family photos that they paid some photographer hundreds of dollars to Photoshop and manipulate so that they look as good as possible. We see the fancy meal they're about to eat, but we don't see the bill. We see the new car they just bought. We see the the new house they just moved into. We see the new job they were just promoted into. And we say, man, the Joneses are doing really good. They're living the good life. Now, here's, here's the problem with our concept of what it means to live it up or to live the good life. We only typically show people the parts of our lives that we want them to see. So we see the picture-perfect vacation, but we don't see the credit card debt. And we, we see the photogenic family portraits, but we don't see the portraits before they were edited and all the zits were removed. And we don't see the big family argument that happened right before the photographer snapped the picture. We see the new car, but we don't see the hit that the credit score just took. We see the new house, but they never show it to us. You know, people will take a picture of their new house before they lived in it. You never see a picture of the house after they lived in it in a couple of weeks. You only see it when they first move in. We don't see that in a few years there's crayon from the three-year-old on the living room wall. And there's stains in the carpet where the dog couldn't hold it in. We don't see that part of it. We see the new job promotion, but we don't see the long hours and the hard work, the dance recitals that dad missed and the t-ball games that mom missed because they had to work and get ahead. We see the nice office, but we don't see the immense weight and pressure that they're carrying around in that high up job. My point is this, oftentimes our concept of the good life is a mirage. It's an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. No one is happy all the time. Life isn't always good all the time. Even for the most fortunate, cancer does not discriminate. A bad economy does not care about your prayer life. And a bad economy does not care about how many social media followers you have and how many likes you get on your post. So we create this fake identity and not even just social media. Because if you think, well, I'm not on Instagram. I don't care about likes and all that kind of stuff. You might not do that. But some of y'all, before you got out of your car, you put a mask on before you walked in here. And I'm not talking about a COVID mask. Whatever was going on in your life out in the parking lot, you put a cover over it. When you walked in here. Because you got to put your church mask on. We've bought this idea that living the good life is the most important thing for us to present to the people around us and who observe us. But there's another way we talk. We use that phrase good life and it's not in the living the good life. Another way we hear that phrase is. 
Well, they lived a good life. Past tense. Living the good life, present participle, things are going great. Well, they lived a good life. Past tense. That's what the preacher says at the funeral. That's what you say when you're around the hospital bed. Whether it's true or not, we say it. <laughs> Listen, some funerals, us preachers have to preach. Folks, makes it hard to be truthful. Don't live your life in such a way that the preacher has to lie at your funeral to make you sound good. I'm not lying for you. So you better find another preacher to preach yours. I'm not going to lie for you. No, but for the, for the most part, when we're at the deathbed or we're at the funeral home, we look down at the person that we're gathering around and, and we say, well, they lived a good life. We use that phrase to just cover over everything that's happened over the past 60, 70, 80 plus years. We gloss over the bad and we emphasize the good. Sometimes we say they lived a good life and it's really true. They really have lived a good life and we really mean it. Other times we say they lived a good life and it's probably not really true, but it makes everybody feel better, so we say it. Got quiet here. So whether we're talking about ourselves or someone else and saying they're living the good life, or, well, wow, they, they really lived a good life. We're only really seeing part of the picture, aren't we? We're never quite telling the whole story. We're either seeing the presentation and the false image that they have projected onto their social image and their reputation, or we're looking in the past backward trying to make sense of life and to be honest, the concept of a good life or the good life can sometimes feel inauthentic, shallow, and incomplete. And I was praying over this and I was reading this scripture and I was thinking about the good life and the author of this text and studying Psalm 71 and I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you today. And here's the big idea. If you don't take anything away, I want you to remember this. It's not about having a good life. It's about living life well. It's not about having a good life. You need to write this down. It's not about having a good life. It's about living life well. The concept of a good life, it often causes us to gloss over reality. We gloss over the hard stuff. We gloss over the difficulties. We hide the embarrassing stuff that we'd rather not talk about and rather not show off. And we put all the skeletons in the closet and we put a deadbolt on the door so that no one will accidentally open up and see the real us, the real life. But the reality is, is that life doesn't always feel good. The reality is that life often brings hard times, difficulty, challenges, and brokenness. But over and over again, God in His Word tells us that even when life gets hard, it's possible to still live life well. It's possible to overcome. It's possible to rise above. It's possible to respond appropriately to difficulties without losing your mind and without losing your faith. Even when life is hard, we can live life well. Psalm 71 is a poetic prayer that is recited and written by an unknown individual who is somewhere near elderly age. They've either already got gray-headed and frail or they know that gray-headed and frail 
is right around the corner. And when he writes in this later stage of life, sometime after middle age, but sometime before the deathbed, the writer is experiencing an immense and intense difficulty. In verse 2, he cries out to God. He says, God, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to save me. Eugene Peterson in the message version paraphrase puts it this way. I run for dear life to God. Get me out of this mess and up on my feet. He says in verse four, he says, rescue me, oh my God, from the hand of the wicked. Verse nine, don't cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. And I love how Peterson puts it in the message. He says, he says this, don't don't turn me out to pasture when I'm old or put me on the shelf when I can't pull my weight. The person writing is crying out to God and saying, God, I'm in trouble, but I'm tired. This isn't a young spring chicken that's writing. It's someone that's lived life. It's been around the sun a time or two. And they say, God, another battle at this stage in my life, another complication at this stage in my life. I'm in trouble, but God, I'm so tired. I need help. And when you read this psalm, you get a conflicting message from the person who is apparently and deeply conflicted because every other verse is saying something like, God, I'm in trouble. God, I'm old and tired. God, the enemy's coming after me in hot pursuit. But then between all of those negative verses, he'll say things like, Lord, I've trusted in you my entire life. Every other verse, he'll say something, my mouth is filled with your praise. Your righteousness reaches to the heavens. You have done great things, oh God, who is like you. And I feel like this passage is trying to communicate something to us. We're reading words that are thousands of years old, but they are so relevant to our lives today. See, because we wouldn't say this, but we often think this, that giving God praise is conditional upon God making sure things are going good in our lives. So this writer in Psalm 71 makes no sense to us because he's praising while he's obviously going through something terrible. He's crying out for help and still praising God in the same breath. And I realize and I've studied this and I prayed over this scripture and meditated over it. And I believe that Psalm 71 is giving us a blueprint for how to live life well, how to live Life well. That's the title of my message. The blueprint of how to live life well. And I want to break it down for you because Psalm 71 teaches us that even when life isn't going well, you can live well. Even when life isn't going well, you can live well. Y'all know, and you've heard me do this before I, I, in sermons, I love to look up the real meaning of words. What, is, what do words mean? And what, what am I? Because sometimes we use words and we just don't know what we're saying. We just don't even, we think we know, but we don't know. So I looked up the word, a simple word, well, in the dictionary. Not well like a hole in the ground, but well. And this is what I saw. When I'm talking about living life well, well means living life thoroughly carefully and soundly. It means sound in mind, body, and in spirit. Satisfactory and pleasing. It means success. 
It means that even when life isn't going well, you can live life thoroughly, carefully, soundly. You can be sound in your body, in your mind, in your body, and in your spirit. You can live life in a satisfactory and pleasing way to God. You can live a successful Christian life even when things aren't going well around you. I was reading the dictionary and I thought, man, the dictionary is anointed. <laughs> the dictionary has got some truth in it. I want to shout reading the dictionary because, wow, what does this mean for our lives? Psalm 71, it's the inner cry and heart of a man who's in the midst of difficulty, but has learned the secret to how to live a sound, pleasing, and even a successful life. He's reached an advanced age. He's seen victories and he's seen sorrows. He's seen wins and he's seen losses. He's seen mountains and valleys. He's experienced both joy and pain. And he's looking back over his past. He's looking over his shoulder saying, I've seen what God has done in the past. He's looking around at his present circumstances and things that are going on in his life in this moment. And he's continually and confidently able to say, I've lived life well walking with my Lord all of these days. And I have full confidence. Confidence that God who brought me out back then is going to bring me out tomorrow, is going to bring me out today. And in verse 17, he says, Lord, since my youth, you've been dealing with me and you've taught me and you have done wondrous deeds in my life. He's able to look back and say, God, even in the hard times, I've done my best to remain faithful to God. And God has been faithful to me. And he says, God, you've gotten me out of messes before. So I'm confident that you didn't bring me to this mess to leave me in this mess because I know that you're able to get me out of this mess. So here's just a few things that I want to draw your attention to in the scripture today. First, living life well means leaning on God. Leaning on God. Look at verse 6 in Psalm 71. He says, Upon you, God, I have leaned from before my birth. I have leaned before my birth. You are He who took me from my mother's womb and I have leaned on you ever since. Again, another definition, that word leaned, it means to be supported by something that is firm and unflinching. Come on. It means to be sustained by something that is unbreakable. It means to find comfort in something that is safe and dependable. Whew, that's good. Living life well means leaning on God who is firm and unflinching and unbreakable and safe and dependable. He's saying, I heard this old song this week, I've tried him and I know him. I've tried him and I know him and I have found him to be faithful. He's saying with the hymnist, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Everything I've tried to do, everything I've tried to depend on, they have all proved unreliable. People will fail you. Organizations will fail you. Politicians will fail you. Doctors will come up short. Governments will rise and fall. But let me tell you about my God. I've leaned on Him since I was born. My whole life I've depended 
depended on him and I found him to be secure. I found him to be dependable. I found comfort in him. I tried him and I know him and I found him to be faithful. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So with the scripture is saying to you and me today, when you go through trials and when you go through cares, please don't look to men. They'll, they'll just let you down. Remember, there is just one who will go with you to the end. His name is Jesus. He, he'll tell you the what. He'll tell you the why. He'll tell you the when. I've tried him and I know him and I know he'll never fail. Living life well means leaning on God through the good times and the bad because when the tough gets going, <laughs> when the going gets tough, I should say, I need a safe place to go. I need something stronger than me to lean on. I, when I, my legs can't hold me up, I need something more stable than I am to hold me up. When my faith is weak, guess what? His faith is never weak. His faithfulness endures. His faithfulness lasts forever. His faithfulness never ends. He's never stopped being faithful. I need something I can lean on that when I'm weak and when I'm tired and when I don't understand and when I don't know what I'm going through and I don't know what to do next, I know there's somewhere that's never going to bend, that's never going to fail, that's never going to walk away, that's never going to break, that's never lost a battle, I need to lean on God. Solomon put it this way in Proverbs 3 and 5. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because my own understanding is limited. My own understanding is weak. My own understanding can be manipulated and can be uh, overcome by fear and by doubts and anxiety. But lean, not, lean, look, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's usually where we stop reading. But watch this. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and medicine to your bones. Whew, that's good. Living life well means whatever you're going through, you've got a firm foundation. You've got an immovable, unshakable, unbendable, unbreakable, solid rock upon which you can run. You can run too. You can lean on. You can hide in. You can find refuge in. And you can find strength in. Listen, living life well doesn't always mean things are easy. Living life well means that the one who isn't surprised when attack comes and doesn't flinch when life throws you punches, he's the one you're leaning on. You might flinch and you might be surprised and you might be shocked, but he never will. So I lean on him. The writer of Psalm 71 is saying, I have looked back over my life and through the good times and the bad, I have leaned on God and he has brought me over every mountain and through every valley. He's been my strength and my strong tower. So now even in this trial, even in this current trouble at an advanced age, if he did it before, he'll do it again. I can run to him once again in my time of trouble when the enemy is in hot pursuit, when lying tongues try to tear me down and destroy me, when enemy weapons are targeting in on me and know that the one I'm leaning on will bring me out on the other side. And like the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, I might go through the fire, but I'm not coming out burned. 
Come on. I might smell like smoke when I get out, but I'm going to be fine. But he's not. He's going to bring me out. And the only thing that's going to burn up in the fire are the ropes that you tried to hold me down with. I'm going to come out freer out of this problem than I came into it. My God has promised me that if I lean on him, Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you walk through the waters, when you walk through the rivers, they won't overcome you and won't overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, it won't consume you if you lean on God. Secondly, living life well means shaming the enemy. When you live life well, you bring shame on the enemy. One of the biggest lies that the enemy will tell believers is this. He'll start off, if God really loved you, if God really cared about you, well, God wouldn't have let this happen to you. He wouldn't have let you go through this. And the enemy will try to convince you that difficulties in life mean that God has forsaken you. He will try to convince you that hard times in life are evidence that God doesn't care about you. But that was the devil's tactic even with Job in the Old Testament. If you remember the book of Job, he made a bet with God. The devil went to the Lord and he told God, he said, I bet you I can make Job sin. I bet you I can make Job curse your name. I bet you I can make Job compromise in his righteous walk with you. All I have to do is bring just a little bit of suffering into Job's life, a little bit of difficulty, and Job will turn on God. That's what God, that's what the enemy tried to do. But what Job knows, and what the writer of Psalm 71 knows, is that the best way to defeat the enemy is to keep on living life well in spite of the enemy's attacks. It brings shame on the enemy when he sees you overcoming in the midst of adversity. When he sees you rising above his petty attacks. When he sees you refusing to compromise and refusing to back down. It confounds the kingdom of darkness when you stay in the light. Even when dark clouds come your way. Check out verse 10 and 11. The psalmist says, my enemies speak concerning me. They're saying, God has forsaken this guy. Pursue and seize him. There's no one to deliver him. They're saying, look, things are so rough in whoever's life that wrote Psalm 71. Things are so rough. Obviously, God's hand is no longer on him. Obviously, God is no longer protecting him. He's vulnerable right now. So this is the great time to attack. And isn't that what the enemy does every time? He waits till life gets a little busy. He waits till things get a little bit difficult. He waits till the bank account's a little bit low. He waits till, uh, you know, you've been trying to have a baby and you haven't been able to have one to stir up trouble in your marriage. He waits until, uh, the, you know, the, the weather hadn't cooperated right for the farm and then he wants to stir up trouble. He waits till he looks like you're vulnerable and that that's when he goes into attack. And but the psalmist says, the psalmist says, I know that the Lord is not far from me and he will make haste to help me. He's saying it might look like I'm not protected, but the Lord is close by and he will make haste to help me. Verse 13, may my accusers be put to shame and consumed when you live well. 
even in the times of vulnerability, even in the time of attack, when you rise above his attack, Satan thinks that when life gets tough, God's people are vulnerable, and that's when he likes to attack because he thinks we can be lured out from under God's protection. But the secret to living life well is that when you're living life well, you're surrounded, come on, by heaven's armies. You're surrounded by a whole host of angels that are fighting and warring on your behalf every night, every day, every night when we put Ainsley down to bed. She's been doing this thing recently where she'll talk about she's scared or whatever. And I tell her, baby girl, I pray for you every night. And God has put an angel on every corner of this bed. He's put an angel on every corner of this room. He's put an angel at every corner of this house. You are protected. You are covered by God. You're living life well, even when you're scared. So when he tries to come against you, he realized he can't defeat you, so he's put to shame. So the end of Psalm 71, verse 24, closes with this. My tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. I want to live life so well that I put the enemy to shame every day. That he thinks he can take me out, but he's just ashamed of his petty little attacks on my life and on this church and on your house and on your family, on your community. I want to live life so well that the enemy might try some stupid stuff in my life, but he's never going to succeed and it's going to put him to shame. When you live life well, the devil ends up embarrassed every time he tries to get you to compromise. When you live life well, the enemy tucks tail and runs every time he tries to overcome you. When you live life well, the world around you will see that you're walking under divine favor and protection. When you live life well, the full armor of God rests on you. The helmet of salvation protects your mind. The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. The shield of faith protects you and your family. The belt of truth holds everything together. They all equip you to conquer the enemy, to deflect the attack, to quench his fiery darts. Living life well puts shame to the enemy. One more thing. Living life well leaves a mark on the next generation. Look at verse 18 of chapter 71 of the Psalms. Even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those who come. Once again, I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the Message Bible. This is how he puts it. He says, God, you got me when I was an unformed youth. You taught me everything I know. Now I'm telling the world your wonders. I'll keep at it until I'm old and gray. God, don't walk off and leave me until I get out the news of your strong right arm to the world. News of your power to the world yet to come. Your famous and righteous ways, oh God. I want to speak for just a moment to the over 50 crowd in the room. And I say this knowing that I'm only 31 years old. But I want to just speak to somebody this morning and say, your story matters to the next generation. How you live life right now in this stage of your life, you might think that the younger people think you're irrelevant or that you don't matter and they might even say things like that to you, but they might not want to listen, but they are watching. And where you're at in your stage of life, 
you have the ability to say, I've looked back over my past and I've seen him bring me out of some stuff. And so because he brought me out then, he's not going to leave me here hanging dry. And I'm going to walk through whatever difficulty in my advanced stage of life that I'm in, living life well. I, I'm going to acknowledge reality. I'm not one of those preachers that says just don't confess it, you know, that kind of stuff. That There was extremes to that. I love the Psalm 71 because one line he's saying, God, I really need help. I'm in trouble. And the next line he's saying, Lord, I praise you. And I thank you. You brought me out before and I confident believe you're going to confidently believe you're going to bring me out again. Listen, you have the ability. If you live life well, it will leave a mark on the next generation. It will leave a mark on the ones that come before you. It will are after you. It will leave a mark and it'll even be people that you wouldn't expect. It'll be people that you didn't think you had any influence over at all, but they're going to see, oh, wow, the so-and-so got a cancer diagnosis, but they're still praising God, and they're still serving in their church, and they're still, you know, they're still just living for the Lord, and they're still just as sweet as they can be. Wow, how are they living life so well with so much going wrong? Guess what? That leaves a mark on somebody that's watching you. Wow, you know, they're their marriage didn't didn't turn out okay and things kind of fell apart, but they're still going after God and they're still living for God and they're still doing what they're supposed to do and they're still sweet and they're still kind after everything that's gone on in their life. Wow, what's different about them? How are they able to do that? It will leave a mark on other people. Can I suggest to you that God doesn't exempt us from difficulties because He wants people to see that God is still faithful in the midst of difficulties. Sometimes we're praying, Lord, take the difficulty away. And instead, we should be praying, God, bring me through this difficulty with a testimony and bring me through this difficulty with a, with a word and with an example to someone who's watching me and someone who's encouraging and who I can encourage. He says, God, I'm confident in your ability to bring me out of this mess because I've leaned on you my whole life. I've seen you come through for me time and time again. I've seen you shame the enemy before me on my behalf. I believe you can do it again. But then he says, God, I need you to deliver me one more time because I've realized I still have work to do. I can't this can't take me out because there's a generation I need to reach. God, I can't let this problem overcome me because there are people who are depending on me to tell them about Jesus. There are people that are depending on me to take the gospel to them, to take the word of God to them. I want to be sure that my life becomes an example to someone else, that my life becomes a testimony to the generations that come after me of the wonder working, miraculous, supernatural, loving power of God at work. In the lives of His people. God, I need You to bring me out of this not just for me, but for those who are watching me. I need You to get me through this not just for me, but for those who will come after me. They need to see how good You really are. They need to see how strong You really are when they see me come out, when they see me get over, when they see me push through. They'll hear me tell how it wasn't me that did it, but it was God that did it and God that brought me out. He says, I'll sing about you for the whole world to hear. I'll shout your goodness and faithfulness to the world 
that's coming. My hands will play the harp and the lyre and the lute and sing a song of praise to you. My lips will shout words of praise to you. My tongue will speak testimonies of praise to you. And everyone I meet is going to hear. Everyone I meet is going to hear. I just feel like there's something I should say right here. There's some of you, there's a part of your walk with the Lord and a part of your journey in life that you're ashamed of. And that you don't share publicly because you're worried how people will perceive you. But I want to tell somebody this morning, this isn't in my notes at all. I don't know why I'm saying this exactly. But there's somebody, there's a part of your life that you rather would not talk about. You, you know God dealt with it and God did something in your life. But you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid of how that people will perceive you. But listen, what if God brought you out of that because there's someone coming after you that's dealing with a very similar issue? And if you keep silent about how God worked in your life, they'll never hear God can do that in my life. Tell the story. Nobody's going to, if they judge you, they're in the wrong heart in the first place. And who cares? Tell the story because somebody needs to hear God brought me out. God brought me out. I want to make sure everyone I meet is going to hear. Everyone I know is going to hear. Everywhere I go, I want to leave a mark. Because living life well means not just living for me. It means living for those who come after me. It's not just living for my own benefit, my own, my own selfish gain, my own convenience. A life well lived is a life that points other people to the reality of the unmovable, unshakable, undefeatable, unflinching God who loves and cares for them. It's a walking, talking testimony of the faithfulness of God. It's a testimony and example of how to live life well, even when life isn't going well. I don't want people to just look at me and say, oh, he's living the good life. I got a good life. I do. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I don't deserve it. But I don't want to be just someone, oh, he's living the good life. And I don't want people to stand beside a box looking down at me and say, well, he lived a good life. I want my testimony to be, I'm living life well in the midst of it all. Would you stand with me this morning? I just felt like this morning there was a special emphasis on this word this morning that somebody here needed to hear. Life isn't always going to go well, but you can live life well. I just believe somebody is supposed to write that down and put it on your mirror, put it on the dashboard of your car. Make it your motto in life. I want to live life well. What's that mean? It means live life thoroughly, live life soundly, to go through even the difficulties of life physically sound, mentally sound, spiritually sound, and to be successful in my walk with the Lord even when things are difficult. 